You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Yeah, so I, I got to ask, you know, right off the, off the bat, I saw your, your post on Twitter slash X, whatever Elon wants to call it today. <laughs> and I saw that you were going to be launching last night in basketball. And it's funny because, I, you know, I work as a producer both on the CBS Sports Radio and WFN side. And I've had you on plenty of our shows to talk NFL, but I was familiar with your work initially as an NBA guy. So I was really excited to see you have this newsletter coming out that will allow you to kind of break down what's happening in the NBA through your eyes. What can readers expect from last night in basketball? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for uh, for having me on yet another one of your your shows. It's, uh, I know. it's good, to, good to come <laughs> back, talk some basketball this time. You know, as far as what readers can expect, there will be essentially three editions of the newsletter per week. One of them will be a video breakdown, like you just mentioned, where on Fridays I'm going to do a film breakdown using video clips of something that's going on around the league or something that happened in the league, whether it's, you know, a player's performance from a game in that given week or, you know, the way a certain player is playing on the given season or just Anything that I've noticed through watching the games, whether that week or that month or throughout the entire year, I've done a few of these before over the years, and I really like doing them because it allows you to really dig into what happens actually on the court, which, you know, despite the fact that most of what we hear about the NBA is about the drama and whatnot, to me, the, the most interesting thing in basketball is still what actually happens on the court, and that's what I really want to dig into there. Then, you know, twice a week, there will be written posts for the newsletter. One of them is just basically, if you've read my writing, any of the various sites that you mentioned earlier, you'll recognize those kind of posts. Those will be going up on Tuesdays. And then at some point during the week, I will have sort of like a notes column of three things I noticed on League Pass during the previous week. And it's just going to be, I know a lot of people like to follow the NBA, but don't necessarily have time to watch every game or to watch every team. And it'll just be things that I noticed and wrote down in my notes during that week in the games that were not on national TV about the teams that, you know, aren't as heavily covered as you might see of, you know, everybody that's on ESPN or TNT in a given week. I got to ask, I mean, you know, I'm someone who's been a, a loyal league pass subscriber pretty much since my teenage years. I'm now 32. Um, of course, it's my parents' because I didn't have a cable subscription. But uh, <laughs> before that, and then now later on in life, still a, a, a passionately past subscriber. We are in a weird time in the NBA where there's so much complaining about the NBA regular season. It's one thing I've talked about a lot on this podcast. And it's interesting to me because, like, as someone who loves basketball and loves the NBA, I don't find as much of the concern about the NBA regular season as maybe some of the other larger fan bases will, will, will say. What is your league pass um, diet like? And do you see like a, a big shift in like how regular season basketball is played over the last several years? Yeah, I think there has been a shift, but I also don't think it's as much of an issue as it's made out to be. This is something that I talk about with you know other basketball writers and friends a lot which is that like if there's a game where you know multiple players are missing and it's like oh well you know we can't watch this game anymore because these guys are out my thing is watch a different game you know like there, there are good games on for the most part pretty much every night and if you find the game where 
the teams are playing their real guys or their teams that are aesthetically pleasing to watch, you can always find good basketball to watch on any given night of the NBA season, especially those days where there are, you know, 12, 13 games on. There's never going to be one of those nights where it's like there's just nothing to watch. Obviously, not everybody is a League Pass subscriber and not everybody watches basketball for the entire league. A lot of people, I would say most people just try to follow their team. And there are times where, you know, you might have a game where, you know, the star on your team is out or the stars on the other team are out and it's difficult on that given night. And that, you know, it sucks. I, I understand those concerns for people that are fans of the entire league or just want to follow the entire league there are always going to be good games on. And if you subscribe to League Pass, you're always going to be able to find them. And for me, I try to do two games a night, every night. And I used to map out which games I was going to watch well in advance. But yeah. given the the increased prevalence of those rest days and you know minor injury days in recent years, it's been more of a, a wing it type of situation. But I do <laughs> keep track of uh, of which games I've watched so I can see like, hey, you know, I haven't watched the the Hornets in a while. I should try to watch a Hornets game soon or something like that. And I really think that it's 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 to a benefit to the, for the fans and the people who who follow your work because someone like me again, I'm I'm you know doing Knicks podcast. I'm watching every Knicks game. You know, the Knicks play at seven thirty. You know, I it's funny. I had a I had a conversation with uh, my good buddy Andrew Perloff on at CBS Sports Radio, and like you know, he was asking me about. Uh, I think the Kings or somebody and he or, or one of these teams. Oh, the Nuggets. And he was like, you know, like, you know, you follow the Knicks so much. How, how often are you actually able to watch the Nuggets? I'm like, surprisingly a lot because like the yeah. Knicks, I'm watching a full game from seven o'clock to 10. And then really I watch a lot of Western, Western Conference teams because I actually end up, end up getting to watch a lot of these Eastern Conference teams if they're not playing against the New York Knicks. So uh, one thing I can say is, is there may not be, you know, load management, uh, there is load management in the league, but not load management for the likes of you or the likes of me, the likes of these people <laughs> who are following this league on a, on a day-to-day basis. This is uh, Jared Dubin, uh, NBA writer, uh, recently launched in the Last Night in Basketball newsletter. I have one more question about the season before we get into the Knicks. Um, of course, there are always – I think you do a really great job of following trends that are happening from an X and O standpoint in terms of what teams are doing or what the league is doing, how things are shifting. I thought I saw an interesting conversation by J.J. Redick on the Old Man 3 pod where he talked about he thought that offensive rebound is going to become uh, an increased thing in the NBA. And maybe that's something that the Knicks uh, may have something to do with given their uh, prowess in the offensive class and how that impacted their offensive rating. Uh, is there an NBA trend you're, ele- you're excited to see uh, or follow heading into this season that maybe you saw last season or maybe a trend you saw bubbling up that maybe wasn't so prevalent that you expect to kind of see in a much more bolder sense this year? Yeah, I want to see how defenses fight back against the offensive explosion, obviously, that we've had over the last decade or so. One of the things that, you know, I I cover the NFL also, like you mentioned, and one of the things that's had a pretty significant impact on the NFL over the last couple of years is the increase of teams playing like these two high shell coverages to take away deep passes because Mm -hmm. they've, they've... decided that explosive plays are really what they don't want to give up. And they would rather teams, you know, check down or run the ball to try to make them essentially run more plays to score. And one of the things that I wrote about last year at 538 was what I think is sort of the NBA version of that, which is making teams use more of the shot clock to score where shots earlier in the shot clock tend to carry a higher expected value because they tend to not be as well contested 
and because if you take a shot with 18 seconds on the shot clock, it's probably a pretty good shot because if it wasn't, you know you still have 18 seconds left to get right. a better one. So generally, as the shot clock winds down, it's better for the defense and worse for the offense. And one of the things that teams did more often last year was applying pressure in the backcourt to force their opponents to take more time bringing the ball up the court. And the the deeper in the backcourt you pressure, the more time it forces opponents to waste. And thus, the, the fewer points per possession they're probably going to score in the half court. And one of the guys that I focused on in that story was, was Deuce McBride from the Knicks. And I talked to him about it and I talked to, you know, guys like Javon Carter and Davion Mitchell and Drew Holiday and a bunch of different coaches around the league about why that doesn't, doesn't work and how often you can do it and things like that. And I'm curious to see if more teams start experimenting with that or what other ways they try to get opponents to waste more time in the shot clock. It's very fascinating because as soon as you mentioned the, the shot clock and the picking up 94 feet, the first guy I thought about was Deuce McBride. And yeah. it seems like anytime he's inserted in the game, that is essentially his role. And to see that uh, be connected to perhaps extending the shot clock or at least extending the time a team has using the shot clock, I think is very fascinating. And I saw it, I thought, as I literally talked about the last episode with Christian Winfield, the Miami Heat and what you saw and how they guarded Jalen Brunson. Um, you saw a guy, Caleb Martin, six foot seven, six foot eight, very athletic. He was guarding Jalen Brunson all 94 feet, and and how that took the Knicks' offense at times out of whack. Now Brunson was still outstanding. I think it showed just how electric and just how how great he was during that postseason. That he still played so well. But yes, that is definitely something you are seeing. And I think that is interesting to talk about how that plays a team wanting to see opponents use more shot clock in order to get shots off. 